Ray, how's it going, man? Good, dude. Good. How you doing? I'm doing excellent. I'm I'm really excited to have you on today. I feel like uh, we only rescheduled about 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. I'm not going to lie. I was waiting like right up to the last minute to get that email for like, rescheduling. So <laughs> I'm glad we were able to get on, man. For those listening, it was mostly me. It was mostly me. So Nah, nah. It's 50-50 for sure. And plus, you've been on Tech Bar. You've been on the other shows. So, you know, this is my first appearance on your show. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. So we're going to get into it today. I mean, we're going full story, start to finish. So are you ready? When's the last time you had a conversation about this? Funny enough, regularly. Only because of the conversations I have with other MSPs and I try to use my experiences and try to help them avoid the mistakes I made growing up and no qualms about it. Coming up as an MSP is absolutely growing up. There's no question. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I actually think about it pretty often. That's great. Well, so, you know, I know you and many of our listeners know you as uh, Ray from OIT. He's got the the VoIP business, got the MSP, you know, lots of experience there mod on reddit all over the community msp dispatch youtube fifty thousand followers i don't know how many you got now maybe more maybe less i don't know never enough never enough you're everywhere but what was it like before all of this like before the msp days before starting anything what were you doing where were you at in life i have to start off i was absolutely blessed i've been so fortunate throughout my life I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. They started a real estate company in 75, and they have pictures of me literally three, four years old answering the phones. And there's a story that floats around where like I'd answer one of the phones and you know, my parents were trying to take the call away and I said, no, this is my buyer. And I was trying to work the deal. Um, so, you know, before this, and the reason I say that is because my parents were always very much encouraging me to start businesses, do stuff. My first business was reselling beeper service in high school and middle school. So, you know, I've done the full gamut and the current day OIT is my seventh business. MMN, MSP Media Network's my eighth and I got another one in the hopper before I sail off into the sunset, <laughs> you know? But before this, I've done everything from DJing to working in a Papa John's. I worked in a vet's office as an assistant for a long time. I did uh, just before the IT business, just before MSP, actually worked for the city of Miami Police Department for 10 years. I did my 10 years in a day working in the call center as a supervisor and uh, did enough to get retired and left. <laughs> and so started this. Uh, well, I started or seen the IT, the MSP, and uh, took every lesson along the way to help me build to the next thing. So it worked really well, I think. So you're working in Miami Police Department, you're coming up on your 10 years, your 10 years in one day, you know you want to do Orsini IT, or were you always going to jump over? Were you thinking about staying for the 25 maybe? No, I, I knew early on I wanted to get out. Um, you know, one of the things my dad taught me early on was if you're in a room, you want to be the highest paid in the room, right? You want to be the one that's that has the highest position or whatever it happens to be. Also growing up with entrepreneurs, my whole family was in this, right? We owned real estate title, construction, legal. And so I was the only one that just, even though I had my license, I got my license at 18, I was the one that didn't want to do real estate. I want to do my own thing. And so, but I realized really early on at the police department and I started at 19 that I didn't I had too many bosses. It was one of those I really loved what I was doing. I truly enjoyed it, helping people. But I hated 
take time off or when there was an emergency or something, you had to be at work. There was no be with your family during a hurricane or during the Elian Gonzalez crisis or during FTA or any of those. You have to be at work. And sometimes you have to be at work 24, 36, 72 hours. And if you wanted to take time off, you know, my family did regularly. I had to ask 15 people and get coverage and get, you know. Uh, so I learned, I got promoted. I was the youngest ever supervisor at the City of Miami Communications Department. Uh, did that at 25. I got promoted at 24. I took position at 25. But I knew then at the role I was in, that was the highest I was going to go. So I knew early on I was planning an exit. So I did some real estate on the side to get extra money. I ended up blowing that business up, did really well because we worked on foreclosures. But I realized I wasn't doing something I loved doing. That's what I missed from the police department. So when I exited, I, my original intention was to do real estate. And we did really well. We, I think my final year in real estate, I closed something like $350, $450 million in real estate, something like that, of single family houses. And But I didn't love it. And I wanted to go back to doing what I loved. So the thing my dad taught me early on, he taught me, you can make money doing whatever you want. He gave us, we had the education, the skill set, the opportunities. It's a matter of do what you love and then the money will come after. And so started doing a little IT on the side just to help with that creative itch because I got my CCI in 2003. I've been doing IT on the side since the early 90s. So started doing IT on the side again, consulting, got that itch, really, really loved it. And finally, one day told my wife, uh, well, we were engaged at the time and told my wife, you know what, I'm going to do this full time. I'm going to give up this real estate career. and We're going to start an IT company. Now, keep in mind, I was making mid six figures. <laughs> so we were just getting it to stop doing that completely and then go start an IT company. She thought I was absolutely nuts. And she's probably right. <laughs> and so, but I did it anyway. And to her credit, she supported me. She said, you're nuts. And then she said, do whatever you think is best. And we did it and struggled for a good little bit. And uh, Orsini IT was born and never looked back. It's just been fun ever since. So what year did you leave the police department and start Orsini IT? I left the police department in 2009, October 31st, 2009. So <laughs> it was a treat, not a trick. And then I started Orsini IT in 2011. So those two years in between, I was doing, I started doing real estate part-time around 2005, then went full-time 2009 when I retired. And then it took me about two years to realize I'm going to get the hell out of here and <laughs> go straight to IT <laughs> or full-time. So that scene in the the big short when they're like, uh, you know, they're asking how many mortgages do you have? How many, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they're foreshadowing the foreclosure related business that uh, was the predecessor to Orsini IT. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Now, it's funny because, you know, growing up in, in uh, with entrepreneurs, my older brother that's uh, passed away a couple of years ago, but my older brother, every time I would complain about something, oh, they're making us work a mandatory double or they're making us do this or they're making do that. He said, just quit. Go do something else. You can literally do whatever. You go, you can do real estate. You can do title. You can do mortgage. You can do whatever. Do whatever you want. Just quit. And he'd tell me every time. And it was good in the sense that it was stop whining. You can, everybody's entitled to their pity party for a few minutes, but at the end, just stop and go be productive. And, uh, you know, I took that to heart. I keep it with me every day where, you know, I fully embrace the pity party for a few minutes. We all need that, but then turn around and go do something great instead, instead of whining. So I, I credit him a lot for being able to say, okay, you know what? 10 and one and I'm done. And that's at the police department, 10 years in one day. That's what you need for vesting. So they don't destroy your pension. So 10 and one and done. And uh, that's all she wrote. 
So Ray, I want to ask you uh, one more question about the days before the MSB business. You said that you were in the call dispatching. Were you actually like dispatching the calls or were you in the, the IT division of it? So I, no, I was a dispatcher. So originally a call taker, then dispatcher. Uh, when you're a dispatcher, you do the call taking or dispatching, depending on the need, because you're trained on both. And actually, that's even a funny story. My older sister used to work at the fire department. And at 19, my wife was pregnant with our first child. And she says, you need a real job because I was DJing back then and making decent money. But she said, you need a real job. And I get it. Real job with benefits and retirement, a stable job. Completely understand. I said, "Okay." I applied to be for the fire department and with the city of Miami, the applications are joint, even though they're separate departments and talking to people about what your day to day would be. The fire department was ready to hire me, and I realized police was so much busier and so much more fun. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 I'm going to PD. So I went police, and it was great. It was cool. So, And police, because we're always short-staffed, we were always short-staffed. Oh, well, they still are to this day. But when you got hired as a dispatcher, you were trained as a call taker first, then dispatcher, then you fill in, and then from there I got promoted to supervisor. But because of my background and because... Let's be honest, I'm nosy. I would talk to people in other departments. And because I had background in IT, I ended up helping out in IT almost as much as I was doing my regular job, which was cool because they eventually had me doing like working with some vendors because I understood the lingo. So I'd work with AT&T and I'd work with Motorola, who did the uh, the CAD systems and all that stuff with work with the radio operators. And it was cool. It was fun. So 90s and early 2000s, Miami. I'm sure you heard some crazy calls. I don't know if you're allowed to share anything, but can you give me at least one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, PG, you'd be surprised, but um, some are not. But uh, my the craziest calls, and it wasn't just one. We'd get these every once in a while where in the city of Miami, the proper city of Miami has some rough neighborhoods and some good neighborhoods. And we'd get calls from these people that would say, oh, uh, I'll never forget this one woman. She called because they, her and her boyfriend went in and shoplifted from a TJ Maxx on Biscayne Boulevard and 79th Street. And then they went across the street to the motel to divvy up the, the bounty and you know go about their ways and he was refusing to split it with her and so she went to the payphone called the cops and she's telling me on the phone he she's telling me exactly what happened they went and grabbed a bunch of clothes and a bunch of merchandise from tj maxx and now he she's giving me his full name his full description and i'm asking him like ma'am are you gonna wait for the cops to show up she said yes absolutely they need to take him to jail i said okay what are you going to do? And uh, we got those. And sure enough, she waited and they both got an overstay, not the motel they were thinking. They got one of county corrections, but stuff like that, you can't help but laugh at, right? We got the infuriating ones where like we'd have hurricanes because, you know, it's Miami and people would be complaining because somebody else had a generator running in the middle of the night. It is like uh, you're mad because they have electricity and you don't. I get it. You know, it's stuff like that. It was interesting. It was very interesting. Okay, so early days of your IT business, was it an MSP business or were you just doing consulting? How did you start out? So in the early 2000s, late 90s, I did a lot of consulting for telco and for IT for small, medium-sized businesses. So when I started or, or seeing the IT, it originally was because it was a TNM, but it was a recurring TNM. I've always had recurring contracts, period. So time materials, block hours, however you want to term it, that lasted all of... I want to say four months before I turned it into a real all-you-can-eat MSP, uh, MSA. And that was actually easier than I thought it was going to be. I tried the whole doing, you know, monitoring only and then charging for support or charging for projects. 
that lasted for a year. That was absolute garbage. I didn't get upset about it because again, I've had multiple businesses. I know you throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall, calculated spaghetti, but the truth of the matter is it's all guessing until you try it out, right? So, you know, I knew these would be trials and some would work and some didn't. And over and over again, the pure MSP, pure all you can eat stuff worked flawlessly. It was easy to sell. It was easy to, for the client to understand. It was easy for them to scale. And so we we latched onto it. Like I said, four or five months into it, latched onto it pretty well. It was pretty early. Uh, like 2011, it was, it was uh, a lot of resistance towards MSP at that point. It wasn't as common, definitely not as common as it is now. I, I laugh because, you know, I was talking to some MSPs at Ride a Boom uh, last week where I wish I would have had Reddit. I wish I would have had the Slacks. I mean, MSP Geek didn't exist when I first started. There was forums from some vendors, but like, and Spiceworks, right? <laughs> and Experts Exchange. But there was no like real-time collaboration like we have now. So it was a lot of figure it out as a go. Thankfully, I understood sales, right? I learned that from my parents. I learned that over the years. And I understood, you know, selling value, right? Selling the whole consultative approach, selling the value. I understood that very early. so. It worked. And it's funny to think something 12 years ago, and let's be honest, that kind of sales methodology is decades old, but it's worked 12 years ago. It still works today, regardless of what business I'm in. And it's just, it worked. It wasn't as hard to explain to people, this is a structured recurring, especially in 2011, where we just came out of you know 2009 housing crisis, really rough for everybody. Everyone but you. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, we all suffered in different ways. <laughs> just messing with you. Yeah. But, you know, in, in 2011, it was very easy to pitch to them. You know, this is a structured, recurring, easy, scalable, easily understandable financial model. So you're not guessing at it, especially small business where there's so much chaos into what your monthly costs are going to be. Having something that is fixed, they really loved. Yeah. And I pitched it like that. You're, I'm protecting you against the unknown. This was before a lot of SaaS was switched like that, too. I mean, there's huge CapEx costs to starting a small business and I'm sure early on you had a lot of easy wins uh, pitching it that way and properly selling it. I was just having this conversation on Reddit this morning. I subscribed to, uh, there's a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine, and it talks about selling the product first before you even have the product. Gauge the interest, determine what market interest is going to be like. And then once you build up that backlog of people that are interested, then go out and make the product and go sell it. Services, that happens much, much faster, but is very much in line with it. It is we plan to do this, make sure there's a market for it, go sell it, and then figure out the rest afterward. And I'm not saying figure out like I had the technical skills, but honestly, I'm a firm believer to start an MSP, you don't need to be, have technical skills. You just have to recognize that every business needs certain roles and whatever roles you don't know how to do yourself, outsource them or hire for them. It's pretty simple. So talk to me about growing the business a little bit. When did you hire your first employee? Uh, six months. <laughs> which is really, really early for most people. Again, I, I'm a firm believer, outsource what you need, bring on help when you need it. I did have a business plan for the MSP. And that's one of the things like, I'll preach till kingdom come, get a business plan, even a one pager. But if you don't know what the plan is, how do you know where you're going or how, when you've gotten there, right? When you've arrived. So I knew that I wanted to do certain things. I knew that I love doing tech, but I could either do tech or sales and I could teach tech. I couldn't teach sales. I still to this day couldn't teach sales. My life depended on it. So I said, let me hire a tech and let me keep doing my sales stuff. And I would be the tier two, tier three project stuff. And this first guy would be the tier one. And 
And that just grew. And by 2013, we had about 17 people. So we grew really fast. So at what point did you find out that you were, what you were doing was called MSP? Was this like, did you know it at the time or like, did you stumble on it later? Did you go to a conference or something? I think it was like when Jared emailed me to schedule this, it was something about MSP <laughs> startups. No, I called myself an IT service provider probably until about 2014, or maybe I want to say a little earlier because I had been using Autotask and Central at the time, and they were pretty big on MSP marketing. They called it MSP. The name kind of made sense, so I used it. But you know, I, I always said I was an IT, and my family to this day couldn't tell you what I do. I'm pretty sure my mom still thinks I sell computers. So. Yeah. You know. Now you're so intertwined in the MSP community. What was it like back then? Like you said, it didn't really exist when you started. How did it build up? When did you start meeting other people who were doing the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. It really felt like I was in an island, which is ridiculous being in Miami, you know, a city of 7 million people or a county of 7 million people. But I really felt like I was an island where I didn't know anybody else doing IT. And so 2011, you know, I picked my stack back then. And one of the major reasons I picked, I changed stacks in 2014, 2013, 2014, is because that vendor that I was going to had a major online community at the time. And this is around the time uh, Lab Tech Geek was founded, would have been 2013. So that's when I first knew, okay, I want to use this product with this vendor because I knew there's, here's thousands of people that are actually in this that I could lean on if the vendor can't support it. And that was a huge, you know, it's weird picking product stack based on the community back then. I realized it for what it is today. I didn't realize why I was doing it back then, but that's really what it boiled down to. I wanted to have the strength of the community and I found a bigger community around a certain vendor. Obviously now it's completely you know, all spread out, right? Scattershot. But back then that vendor's community, I was like, okay, well, let me latch onto that. And it just kept growing and kept learning from these people over and over again. And that's really why I do what I do today with Reddit and with the other communities, because I genuinely didn't have that. It was an awakening once I finally found that community. And I want to say my business catapulted 2014 after finding the community because I could get answers to the mistakes I was about to make so quickly or, or mistakes I did make and say, oh, I can't believe I did this. What can I do? And somebody had inevitably already done it and get an answer. And it wasn't experts exchange. It wasn't stack exchange. It was somebody online talking to me in real time saying, oh no, I just went through this. This is what I did. And then I could pull from that and learn. And it made an enormous impact on my business, which is why I push everybody today. Go be part of the communities. They're there for you. So as you were building your business up, I know it wasn't the first business that you started, but was it the first time that you sort of switched from operator in there doing the IT, selling it, doing the IT stuff, doing the level two, the level three, whatever early on to, you know, managing things from a real CEO point of view. Did you have to learn that in this business or was this something that you had done before? As an owner, this was the first time, you know, back in my previous businesses, uh, the beeper stuff, I was an owner operator, DJ, obviously owner operator. DJ got actually pretty big, but I was contracting with other DJs and other sound reinforcement companies. You know, the real estate with my family, I did a lot of networking around the real estate and I did manage a good size uh, team from 2005 to 2011. I managed probably 50 or 60 people. At the police department, I managed approximately 300 people. So I had experience managing people. So it wasn't so much being an owner. It was more about learning to manage people. That's far harder. Being an owner and having ideas, 
I don't want to say it's the easiest job in the world, but it's far easier than, you know, asking the 13th client in a row today if they've restarted their computer. I'll take CEO all day. I never on my help desk had a PlayStation controller on my desk. Um, you know what I mean? So I'll take CEO all day. But learning to manage people, that's stuff that I learned from the real estate company, from the police department working with other law enforcement agencies or working with other DJs or other real estate offices. And I, I held some positions when I was doing real estate with different boards nationally and stuff. All of those things helped me become the good, I'd like to think, the good CEO I became with Orsini IT. So one of my major takeaways, for example, was the police permit. I was talking about where if I wanted to take time off to go with my family for a trip or whatever, I had to ask five, 10, 15 different people. I couldn't be with my family on days off. There becomes a point where you have so many people above you, it becomes crushing to an employee. And I always said, I loved the job I did. I worked midnights by choice. I was always a night owl. I loved the job I did, but I would wake up at night at you know nine o'clock at night and I would have 15 or 20 reasons in my head not to go to work. And I had to come up with a reason to go to work. So when I started Orsini IT, I said, this will never, and I said this during interviews, I said, this will never be that job. You will have stuff that happens in your personal life. I'm sure I will frustrate you. I promise I will. I'm a hard boss, but this will never be the place you dread coming into. I'm not going to be an extra stressor in your life. And, you know, I think that's what it's all about, right? Learning little life lessons as you go. And I think that's helped me in my career path as CEO. So eventually you started another business, right? So I think Orsini's IT was your seventh and OIT was your eighth, if I have the count right. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Orsini IT was my sixth, OIT VoIP was my seventh, or OIT is my seventh. And then, yeah, MMN is my eighth. So Orsini IT, because like I said, I had my background, I'm an engineer, I'm a network engineer. My training is in complex and distributed networks, regardless of all the actual work I did in my life. So I always did done consulting for creating multi-city, multi-state, multi-continent networks. That's been my jam. That's what I love doing to this day. But because of the voice background, right, I did a lot of helping other MSPs. Once I realized there's other MSPs around there, I wanted to help everybody. Anybody I could talk to, I got you. Tell me what you need. You know, happy to share. And this is around the time there's a lot of free PBX, a lot of 3CX, a lot of uh, Elastics, and some of the uh, vanilla asterisks. And so I start, was doing this with other telcos, helping them, and then helping other MSPs I met on Lab Tech Geek and, and other forums. And not for pay, just because helping each other out, genuinely just trying to help each other out. And I did get paid by telcos. They would bring me in to go originally do their activations, then do their pre-sales, then do their sales engineering. And that was a whole feeder into my MSP. But I realized pretty early on, I liked working with MSPs better than I liked working with end users. And so it became, you know, 2014 started the, okay, well, let me start doing this part-time or at least helping people as, as a revenue stream, as a financial model. And then 2016, we have some partner programs. 2017, I was like, no, we're going to do this full-time and, and let go of the MSP. And it took a couple of years to let go of the MSP, but realized that I just, I had so much more fun working with MSPs and it worked out, I think. <laughs> so. I think it did. So there might be some listeners right now who have started an MSP and are big in the community and maybe they want to build their own SaaS product or something like that and sort of switch sides, as some people would say, to the vendor side. What advice would you have to someone thinking about doing that? So this is the advice and it's going to be, and keep in mind, I've said, worked at Pizza Parlor. I worked in, I was in a vet, I uh, had a beeper company, DJ real estate, a police department, VoIP MSP. 
And I can tell you businesses at the end of the day are all just split into two, either product or service driven. And even those two have a lot of commonalities. And the reason I say that is because whether you want to be a vendor or you want to be an MSP or you want to be a VAR, it doesn't matter. You're going to need certain things. And that starts with a business plan. And the reason I say business plan, I know it's like, oh yeah, SBA says this, everybody says this. The truth of the matter is design the company you want, design what you want it to look for. And when you do that, then you say, you start realizing the amount of work that's going to go into it. And the important part out of that is realizing, do I want to be responsible for that? Do I really want to be that owner? Because everybody thinks they can do it better than the boss. Let's be honest. I've thought it a thousand times. I guarantee you my staff thinks the same thing. That's just part of life. I'm okay with that. But there's a difference between being better at it and actually wanting to take the responsibility, knowing that if I screw up, I have 50 people that their livelihoods, their mortgages, their kids' schools, their vacation plans, taking care of their family members, like that relies on my ability to not screw up on a regular basis, at least semi-consistently. But, you know, creating that business plan, then determining if you want to be responsible for it, those are really big things. And then after that, okay, fine. You know, you try it out and hopefully it works out, but that includes, you know, what product or service you're going to sell? How are you going to support it? I always say, regardless of what business you go into, every business has the same departments. You have an admin, you have finance, you have onboarding, client success, sales, however you want to call it. You have a services division. Now in the beginning, it's all you, right? It's just like, I used to go sell MSP and I'd tell people, you know, talking about MSP services, they're like, oh, we don't need an IT person. I go, oh, I bet you say the same thing. You don't need a janitor, right? Like, no, I take out the trash myself. Congratulations, you're the janitor and you're the IT person. The difference is, is I'm educated in it and you're not. And you got to open their eyes. And it's the same thing here. You're going to have all those roles. Are you willing to take them on? Are you willing? And as a small startup, right? One person operator, MSP, you're probably going to have to learn all those hats for a good bit. And if you don't have a plan to say, this is how I get to expand, start hiring the roles, who I'm going to contract for contracting finance is probably the easiest, most obvious one contracting legal, really obvious. If you don't do that, I promise you're going to get to a point where you're going to get really burned out because you don't see an out, right? You've seen, you're on Reddit with me. How many posts have you seen on RMSP where I've been doing this for 20 years? I don't know where to go all the time, right? Do you really want to be in that position? Especially when you're going to think back and you're saying, Oh, I heard Jimmy and Ray talking about this and this was completely avoidable, <laughs> you know, like, but that all comes with the business plan. It all comes with determining and it will change. Nobody has to be clairvoyant. Nobody has to, you know, be all knowing, just coming up with a plan and knowing what you're trying to execute on to hold yourself accountable makes all the difference in the world. And if you want to be a lifestyle business, go for it. Godspeed. I have nothing against it, but know that you're going to be a lifestyle business and be honest with your clients about when you're reachable and know you're going to want to take vacations and know you're going to want to let the clients go and have a transition process for them when you want to let them go, right? But have a plan. And so that solves so many problems. It's amazing advice. I'd like to know a little bit what your day is like today too, because you're everywhere. Like if I, like we joke about canceling on each other all the time, but if I need to get in contact with you, I just shoot you a Slack and you answer in five minutes. Oh yeah. It's funny because that's, I've built a company where my job is to do the thing I want to do, and that is be in the community. Don't get me wrong. I still look at the help desk every once in a while, like, I'll grab a ticket, go surprise them or whatever, you know, or just have fun. Clients love that. MSPs love that when they see my name on a ticket. You know, I'll dip into finance. But realistically, my day my day starts around 530 in the morning, get up, uh, check my emails, check my calendar, 
even though I checked it before I went to bed, but I'm OCD when it comes to that, you know, and I look at it and go put on my headphones and start listening to some podcasts. I have uh, about 40, 50 podcasts. I listen to weekly uh, plus the audio books and then do the morning routine, clean up, you know, organize my clothes, clean up stuff, make some breakfast, whatever shower change, do the whole thing. Once I get to the office and usually I've already fired off a half dozen emails and teams messages or whatever before I get to the office. But by the time I get to the office, we have our daily standup company wide for the ones that are in the morning. We have uh, a bunch of shifts and we have 410 schedules. So, you know, not everybody works five days a week. Jump on that for five minutes, do that thing. And then my teams meet with me at the moment. The teams are I have marketing marketing, sales, core services, engineering, which is basically internal infrastructure, DevOps, that kind of stuff. The support team, uh, technical services, they report to me, marketing, and I know I'm missing one or two. Oh, and telco services. They each give me a quick rundown, the leaders, do you have any challenges? Do you have any blockers? What's the priorities for the day? So everybody's on the same page. And then everybody gets off. The last one's on is my chief of staff. She gives me a rundown of what's going on. And then they're gone. And then I go about my day. And then Throughout the day, I have meetings like this. I have uh, lots of webinars, lots of podcasts, um, but my day is basically left. I believe managers need to be open to support their teams. So, you know, it's very much very little of the doing, very more of the supporting role. And so that's why I can be so available with the discords and the slacks and the reddits, because in my opinion, that is my job. Even though we have marketing people and we have all that, I just being available to support my staff and support the MSPs out there. That's what I do every day. And everything else kind of floats around it. So one thing I've been thinking about throughout the course of this conversation, you have always been entrepreneurial. You've had an amazing gut. I don't know how much of it is timing and you know maybe a little bit of luck too, but who knows, right? How did you learn to trust that instinct, right? That same instinct that had you leave the police department, go into real estate at the perfect time, you know, when probably nobody wanted to go into real estate, right? Go into MSP and ride that MSP wave, go into, you know, a product-based business out when honestly you were probably on the, I mean, now things are a little different, but seriously, like the best past 10 years uh, in SaaS it's ever been in the, the world. Was that innate from you from the beginning from your beeper business? Like, no, no, no. Um, I'm going to tell you something that makes my staff laugh to this day. None more than my wife, who also works with me as, as my CFO. I'm an introvert. I'm not an outgoing person. I Going out and doing even this, right? Talking with friends, doing these podcasts, it's emotionally draining on me, right? And you know, you do these podcasts, you do these webinars, you know, or you go to the conferences. I get done. I'm like, Yes, exactly. Right. Like after IT Nation Connect last year, I had three conferences back to back and and I don't do the work you guys do. I mean, you guys ridiculous how many events you do, but I'll do probably 14 or 15 events myself. And it was three back to back. And I took the entire month of December. I worked, but I did nothing public. You know, we did MSP dispatch with Tony, but besides that, nothing public because I was emotionally drained. So I say all that because that wasn't different when I was with the police department taking life or death calls, you know, and coordinating 50 officers or when we had a lightning strike or when Miami-Dade County had a lightning strike and we had to take their 1,500 plus officers plus our 1,000 plus officers and coordinate both for jurisdictions we had no business. And when I was a DJ, the same thing, doing, you know, large events with thousands of people, I was just as uncomfortable then. And at the end of the day, it comes down to there's a Navy SEAL um, motto called embrace the suck which I firmly believe it, you're going to be uncomfortable regardless. If one of those things gets me to success, I'll embrace the suck so I can enjoy success. I'm completely good with that. 
which means even to this day, I don't care if the stage has 50 people in front of it or 5,000. And I've done that. I've done, I did a Microsoft uh, Ignite with 10,000 people I was speaking to on stage. Ridiculous, right? That's probably my biggest audience so far. But I'm telling you, regardless of the stage size, I still get nervous every single time. You've seen me in the green room before a tech bar. I'm, I'm more quiet than I am on, on camera. But you know what? You got to get over that. You can let it hold you back or you can let it support you and use that nervous energy to, to build your success. And I choose the latter 100% of the time. So another thing I wanted to ask you about, you glanced over it earlier, but four-day work week. What's that? How's that work? So I had a four-day work week at the police department. We're four days on, 10 hours each day. We did sometimes where it was a four, three, and we worked 12 hours, which was awesome. I love that too. But so I had that. And I want to say 2020, when the COVID stuff started, 2020, March 15th, we decided to go remote. We were all fully in the office. And we had some people, Simon, you know, Simon, I hired him. His first week was supposed to be the week we decided to go work from home. And I called him and said, hey, Simon, and it was Simon and one other guy, Danilo, said, hey, do you mind staying at your old employer? Because we don't know what's going on. And he was like, I gave my two weeks. I can't. I need to, <laughs> I'm going to be without work. And I'm like, we'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. We started hiring remote and hiring people all over the country from that point on. It worked so well the first couple months that we just said, we'll hire all over the place. And it worked really well. And as we started to realize we can get more and more flexible with things, one of the days I came up and I, I was telling my, she wasn't my chief of staff back then. She was one of my principal engineers, but I told her, I'm like, I think I'm going to move to a 410 schedule. I used to have it at the police department. I loved it. I'm going to work Monday through Thursday. I already, let's be honest, as a business owner, I work 16 hour days anyway. You know, I don't have an off switch, right? So yeah, I'm going to just get an extra day because Saturdays and Sundays, let's be honest, it's the family. It's doing all the stuff my wife and my kids want to do. It's not decompression time for me. If I could take Friday off also, my wife is working and I have the day off. I have a me day. I have days I can do my little tinkering and my projects and whatever. And it worked and I enjoyed it for a few weeks. And I said, you know what? Let's ask the tech team, see if they want to. And we did some calculations, made sure we could cover schedule wise. But I let them decide. I let them figure it, you know, tell us what they want to do. And they said, yeah, we want to do 410 schedules. And, and the reason I mentioned the part about hiring remotely is because we had staff everywhere from California to Pennsylvania, you know, and all the way from Miami to Canada to Ontario. That allowed us to have these staggered schedules that worked a lot better. So we have not only morning and afternoon shifts, uh, Monday through Friday, but we also have Monday through Thursday shifts and Tuesday through Friday shifts. And it's worked out really well. And the techs loved it. Uh, did techs only for about six months. And then we let other teams do it too, at their discretion. It was completely on them. We weren't forcing anything. But now we're about 50-50. About half the company is 410, half is not by choice. And it's awesome. People love it. We let them switch uh, days off when they want to. It's easier because we have extra coverage Tuesday through Thursday. Because we have the staggered schedule, nobody's ever like really hard pressed. And then we built our management structure Nobody is a manager that doesn't know how to do the job of the people they're managing. So just like I'm available to help them, the managers are available to help the staff. So nobody gets overburdened, right? And it's really become a magical thing. We've been four tens for about a year and a half now. They're really loving it. Wow. It's amazing. That's the type of thing I read about online and never talk to someone who's actually doing it. So it's cool to hear that, you know, it's actually working. That's it's amazing. It's like the, the idea of it just doesn't compute in my head a little bit. Like it does. I understand it, but like I can't, I don't know. I love it, honestly. The next step is work four days a week, but you're actually only working 32 hours a week versus the, the 40. And I love to be able to do that. I don't know how yet. Again, 
we're a service business, right? When you're a product business and you're a VAR, just sell it on your, your marketplace and you're done, right? You have some regular office hours for support, but it's not the same as being a 100% service business. For MSPs, that's a lot harder, right? Because you have to be available. Yeah, You have to set expectations with your clients, but you have to be available. So while I'd love to do that, I need to figure out how to do that, right? It's not a money thing. Most of the reports, uh, I think the UK just did a big test with a couple hundred employers and they did that. They did a 32-hour week and they found that most of the businesses were equally profitable, if not more profitable. That was a tiny little sample size, but it still holds true, right? If people are less burnt out, they give you your all. It's the same thing I've required here. When people are kind of sick, you know the kind. We're the kind. that We're, we're kind of sick. We're going to push through it. I tell my staff, I'm like, don't come in. I'd rather you go home, recover 100%, and then give me 100% when you come back than try to you know, get through it and, let's be honest, probably make some mistakes along the way. Somebody else is going to have to cover or at least keep an eye on you to make sure you're okay. Just take the time off. We'll figure it out. It's not a big deal. And those four tens go into that, the mental health, the, you know, increased quality of life. This is a job. It's not your life. It's a career, but it's not your life. You know what I mean? And I, I own that. So it, it goes to that function. Something I've always lived by, at least for me, like work expands to fill time. You know, if I have one hour to do something or one day, it's going to take oh, yeah. the whole amount of time. So I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. And it's one of those funny things. It forces you to schedule better. I'm a person, I live and die by my schedule. You know, even my wife, you know, I, I got to take the cats to the vet on Friday. And I told her, I'm, put it on the schedule. If you don't, I go, give it to my EA, give it to whatever. But if it's not on my schedule, I will not do it. That's, and it's not being a jerk. It's just, I'll forget. I'd rather, uh, who was it? Steve Jobs wore the turtlenecks, the black turtlenecks every day because he thought picking out what clothes he was going to wear every day was a waste of his brain power. And I feel very much the same way, not from ego, but from I want to focus on the meaningful stuff. I don't want to focus on what am I doing at three o'clock? I know what I'm doing at three o'clock, you know, that kind of thing. Well, speaking of schedule, we should wrap up here. But one <laughs> one thing I do want to talk a touch on your eighth business. You know, it's like you, you've got the magic wand here. The creator economy is blowing up. You know, everything's changing and it's a good time to be in uh, the media business. So MSP Media Network, what is it? What, what's happening? Who's Tony? <laughs> yeah, this Tony Francisco guy. So, you know, the short version, you know, I've always loved podcasts. I listen to your stuff. I listen to, especially when you do the the man on the street stuff, the Bradcast, the my buddies Paco and Rick with MSP Unplugged, you know, Marvin B, right? There's tons of these really great podcasts and these really good creators, and they're all over the place. Well, I grew up with tech TV, right? Back, you know, Leo Laporte and before the Twit Network and all that stuff. And I love that there was one place I could find everything. And so besides the shows that we create on our own, right? Like Partner for Subject Matter Experts, Vendors of Note, you've been on that. You know, the tech bar, right? Hanging out with your friends. And, you know, we call it the after conference, after party. Uh, you've been on that one too. <laughs> um, you know, our technical deficit, solving challenges with Ray and friends. We have our original shows, but the idea is to also bring in other shows, maybe like MSP Startup Stories. But the idea is to bring up all these other shows into one central place where, MSPs can come and just see everything, right? And we started MSP Dispatch last April. It's Tony Francisco and myself twice a week for 25 minutes. We cover three major stories and, and eight or four minor stories like updates and stuff like that. But we've done special reports on the LastPass breaches. And there was another LastPass one this morning, 228. And we cover all this stuff. And the MSPs really liked it because it's smaller and more digestible because they have the same problem in news, right? It's 
whether you're on tech radar, dark reading, Axios, bleeping computer, CRN, channel program, it's all over the place. And the idea is to just consolidate it so you have one place. We'll have a Roku channel coming out soon. So you can literally just go and start watching your stuff. And we have it all podcast forum, YouTube forum, LinkedIn, the Roku's coming. I'm going to be everywhere. And we're doing live event coverage and stuff like that, too. So we'll be at MSP GeekCon in May doing some really amazing things. So, yeah. And whatever else we can come up with. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Ray. Thank you for coming on. This has been awesome. This is a really great episode. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This time just flew by, like always, man. Every time I'm with you, time just flies right by. I know. Any closing thoughts before I let you go? One of my buddies, uh, Glenn Holcomb and Mighty Manatee, said uh, once years ago, he said, if Ray was any more available, you'd wake up next to him. The reason I say that is because I'm not anybody to look up to, absolutely not, but I am somebody that's happy to share my struggles and my and the way I've solved things. And at minimum, I know almost everybody in the industry. If I can't solve it, I can connect you with somebody that can. Reach out to me, whether it's on MRU, Slack, Discord, doesn't matter, or Reddit. Reach out, I wanna hear your story and tell. maybe I can help you with whatever you need. Well, thank you. Everyone, reach out to Ray. Just post on RMSP and he'll be the first to answer, so. Yeah, I magically appear. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit like Beetlejuice, so. <laughs> All right. 